Welcome to Amateur All Tours, the podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a movie. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me is my brother, Brian, and we would like to welcome you to Amateur All Tours. Alright, welcome to the show. Um, as always, I'm your host, Mike, and joining me... Hey guys, Brian. And uh, we have another iteration of First Impressions for you. Um, Brian, I think I'm going to let you spearhead this one you can introduce what we had seen because this was actually uh came from your recommendation and i guess we'll get it all into that in a minute because it is uh there's i guess not so much a story in that but i knew nothing about this but so brian what what is this first impression uh yeah so this first impression it was actually like a uh well the movie is the neon demon uh nicholas winding ruffin but we weren't really planning on doing a first impression for this movie uh, mainly because I wasn't really expecting to see this in theaters. I mean, I, I've known this is coming out for a while. I think at least until last Christmas, so December. And for the longest time, I never knew when this movie was going to come out. It was always like, first it was March, then it was just in June. Then I figured out it came out like a week ago. And so, I, and then I checked my theater list and I said, oh, hey, uh, the movie's in town. I'm going to see it. At regardless, uh, so I wasn't really planning on doing a first impression, but then I said, like, Mike, do you want to see it? And he said, yeah, sure, uh, and now, and I mean, we might as well do a first impression about it, because it, it is uh, <clears throat> quite the experience that we just got out of the film. Well, yeah, an and so, ago. yeah, well, yeah, well, Brian just mentioned, we, we, the movie, we just got out of the theater like an hour, hour and a half ago, and Brian actually, I, I knew nothing of this movie, um, I think it was last night you said, I'm going to see The Neon Demon. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And you're like, oh, it's Nicholas Winding Refn's new movie. Um, and I and as of now, I've only seen one of his films. Uh, probably tonight I'll watch another one. But So I didn't really know about... I don't know too much about him as a director. I've only seen Bronson. And I enjoyed that. But... um. Yeah, so I knew nothing about this movie, and I remember you told me that this is, like, a really fucked up movie, and I'm like, well, is it, like, depressing? Because I don't like depressing movies, I don't want to, I don't like subjecting myself. I When you said it was fucked up, I thought it was going to be on the lines of, like, Lars von Trier. Well, I didn't, I didn't know how fucked up it was, I just heard it was really, like, messed up. I, I didn't know the extent to what it was going to be, like, what we just saw, but it, even regardless of, like, how messed up it was, I mean, even from my experience with uh, Refn was, I've seen, now nah, nah, I've seen The Neon Demon, I've seen Bronson, I've seen Drive, I've seen Only God Forgives, I've seen Valhalla Rising, um, I haven't seen The Pusher, he did, like, I think he did a trilogy of, of movies called Pusher, um, I think that's everything he's done. I don't remember, but I've seen a good amount of his films, so I am aware of who he is as a director and as an auteur. I went into the Neon Demon fully aware aware of like what I was gonna see, especially in the style and the direction and the music, especially. But so I really knew what I was getting myself into, at least partly. Um, I I I had no idea. Like uh, I think I looked up. This morning, I uh, I woke up early, and I was finishing a movie I finished yet or I started yesterday, 
and I was just looking it up, um, the Neon Demon, and I was looking at the parents' guide, because I had no idea what was going to be in this movie, and I, I don't think it was updated, and so the first thing, it was like under the sex and profanity, I, <laughs> it was lesbian necrophilia. I was like, what the Which fuck? I had, I had no idea this was going to be in that movie, uh, I wasn't expecting that at all. Well, the whole time I was like, happening. when is this going to happen? But what I'm getting at is, like, I had literally no idea what to expect from this movie. Um, I guess, I mean, going off of what Bronson was, I was expecting something really visually interesting. Um, but well, that's, that's like, the hallmark of uh, Refn's work. That's why I really appreciate him, because he... I, I kind of dig that guys in this day and age in filmmaking that there are still people who are willing to uh, kind of go against the grain of traditional filmmaking and make pieces of art. This is an art house movie, and we'll get more into that as we get further into this discussion, but I really appreciate the fact that there are still people around who are willing to... I, I can... I can I would compare this movie to something uh, like early Kubrick... Well, even Eyes Wide Shut, um, and the fact of it's it's more of a... I don't know if it's like style over, over substance is the right way to put it, but it's definitely... This is a visual movie where there isn't a lot of... Answer. Um, a lot of answers aren't given. It's, well, there it's isn't, more... Yeah, there's, it's, yeah, it's, it's more, like well, it's, up to the audience's interpretation to, f- to, to let them decide what happened. Well, I, th- no, I think it's really clear in the visual uh, like presentation... I, I understood what was happening with the with the exception of a few scenes, um, but I I think it's more. I mean, going back to the whole like Kubrickian argument, it's more drawn out. It's more of a a uh, visceral uh, like asymmetrical experience of watching a film, in my opinion. Um, but even going because I what I was going with in this uh, line of thought was I am aware like what. What I love about Refn is that he is almost the definition of an auteur, in my opinion, in that I can watch any of his movies and know this is this is his style. And when it comes to, uh, you know, the electronic music, the the color red, or even even like purple, magenta, all those different uh, electric colors, um, this is very a prevalent theme in almost all of his movies, in my opinion, um, and. Even in those other films, like Only God Forgives or even Valhalla Rising, it's 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 the same kind of experience that we're getting in the Neon Demon. Except I think it's even more so in the Neon Demon. It's 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 an experience where there is an exposition. Not everything is explained. Uh, you kind of just go with what you're watching. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. As I was watching this, I uh, the beginning had me. Like the I'd say the first, the first half, and then once we hit halfway, it started to lose me a little bit, and I think I know the point that I started kind of just like the movie was losing me, but um, well before we get into like details in the movie, this so the neon demon, also what is the neon demon? Oh, I think the neon demon is vanity. I guess just putting it as simply as possible. Okay. It. I would say yeah. I would say it's vanity of the like the supermodels, uh, of this whole kind of cultural lifestyle, especially in L.A. 
Yeah. Um, I think that's really like the commentary that Ruffin is trying to get at. Um, yeah. It, well, it wasn't really that subtle at all. Uh, hopefully, I didn't like misconstrue what he was trying. I don't think I did, but I I believe it's like vanity, and the whole I guess superficial concept of beauty. Yeah, I mean, I think this will be an interesting discussion because you are the Refn fan, and I am, I guess, more or less like the average moviegoer for just this this setting. Because I I don't really watch many of his films, so like I'm not gonna pick up that like he uses electric colors. I mean, or, like, or he uses electric colors, or he uses That's a lot just of his things style, like that. Though. I know, That's but I wouldn't style. know that because I don't watch much of his stuff, whereas you do. So I think this is gonna be an interesting. We get two perspectives, but um, yeah. So the neon. Demon is about, I guess, I mean it's the the whole thing is a a new, very young, supermodel just kind of walks in with no ties to her, to her I guess past life. She just comes in as a new slate, and she's kind of like this enigma that people can't really crack. The well, she like takes the industry by storm. She yeah. already comes in just sweeping it away yeah she's she's uh catching the eyes of agencies um she's catching the eyes of uh photographers of fashion uh i guess really really high fashion people uh like design designers that's the word i'm looking for and even, well, even even the girls who are actually the models even they see her yeah and they saying, and oh, they can't like, put um they can't under, they don't understand why, but they're like she has something, but they can't kind of describe it. So that's and the whole plot is that I I mean, what is the plot? Just her well, moving along and then her. Well, um, the plot I guess if you're gonna make it bare bones, it's uh, a girl, a young, vulnerable, beautiful girl, goes it tries to make a name for herself in the uh, I guess modeling industry in L.A. She does, and it slowly starts to ebb away at her and ultimately until the system kind of finally corrupts her not even corrupts it just it, it, it takes finally her. it takes her completely yeah. so that that would be like the bare bones summary and then everything in between we'll talk about yeah so um i mean this film it opens up with now I was immediately kind of like, all right, this is gonna be a really style, like a really stylish looking movie, because it opens up, and she, um, is like uh, Jesse is her is her name. Yeah, correct? um, is our main Which is Ellie Fanning, by the way, uh, played by Ellie Fanning. Yes. Uh, well, Jesse is um, she's like lying on a couch and she it, it appears that she's her th- her, th- her throat slid and like blood's pooling down and and it's like the camera is peeling or is uh like on a dollying back and it's it's very it's very the framing of this film i uh, i asked Brian this when we left if if Refn does his own cinematography or if he sets up his shots because his framing is fantastic um everything is it seems like everything, every camera angle is like has a purpose. I mean, like I know that kind of goes without saying, but it it feels like everything is like deliberate. Every single shot in this film is deliberate. It's not just kind of like, oh, we're gonna put the camera here, here, and here to cover the shot. It's it's going, it's here for a reason. So that's how that's what I was taking. But we open up and uh, she's get. It's kind of her first photo shoot, and it's uh, I guess I don't want to say uh, it's it's just, it's very alluring 
and it's kind of mysterious. And then she, like, uh, some guy's taking her picture. It looks like in a high rise. And, um, well, it's, it, this is like her, well, not only is it like incredibly, uh, I guess ominous, but it, well, cause it's opens up with just like, it's the photo of her throat getting slit and that's just foreshadowing that this is like where the film isn't subtle at all. Like it's weird. I found I found myself saying like some of the aspects of this film weren't there weren't uh, being too you know sly at all. Like they're just so overt and out there. But then at the same time, it's it's mixed in with these. Conf- it's not even confusing, but it's like incredibly complex series of images that don't make sense. But at the same time, there's this really obvious information that's trying to be conveyed so it, it was like a weird push and pull in what the film i knew what it was trying to say but just the delivery was a little off i mean i liked it anyway but oh yeah it was, it i was feel like because cool. this this was with as her laying there on the bed with her throat slit you know it's it's not real obviously but this was like it's 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 what's to come of this character yeah and so, yeah, we, we finish the shoot she's wiping her makeup off she she meets this is where she meets like the um I guess three, I guess antagonists of the movie. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say the like the. I wouldn't say uh. I would say two of them are antagonists, and then one is very on the line. You don't really know. I mean, she's played off as very nice and cunning, which is um. This character is played by Jenna Malone Ruby, as she is the. Uh, makeup design artist, for, uh, and and her and uh, Jess or Jesse Ellie Fanning's character, they they uh they hit it off. They uh, start becoming friends. They're they're very warm towards each other and kind of compassionate. You can tell that like there's something there. And then the other two are uh, just, Jenna Malone's friends. Uh, they're they're like conniving, just well yeah, like they're like typical yeah empty like you said conniving. Uh, I guess just caricatures of models. Uh, and uh, one is Gigi, and I believe the other one's name is Sarah. And what? And the whole and they always struck me as off, even from the first scene. And I, I mentioned this to you when we left. It was they're so I don't know if 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 it's just how I interpreted how they were acting, but it was very mechanical, very emotionless, very empty. In the fact that they kind of just said they kind of just spouted dialogue. Uh, without really any feeling, and 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 it made sense to me because that's what they are. They're they're emotionless beings. They're they're totally corrupted by the system. Uh, that like I guess they are the neon demons uh, in the sense that this life has completely drained them of any I guess real emotional attachment. And throughout the whole film, uh, Gigi is I guess the main focus of this group in the fa- of like who's most corrupted in the fact that I think almost every scene that she's in they highlight they accentuate the fact that nothing on her is real she talks about how like oh I, I, sh- I shaved up my jaw you know my my ears are pinned so I can wear a ponytail uh, like I got my uh, she got I breast went down reduction a, yeah I got like I went down a cup in my breast or whatever um, even in this first introduction she I think the introduction to Gigi's character is she's putting on lipstick saying, uh, like, God, I look so beautiful. And she's just looking in the mirror. And and then this is where, I remember I mentioned this to you again, 
and I know you caught this when she's putting on the lipstick and then one of them says red rum. And it's yeah. Like, well, like, oh, what's what's this lipstick? It's like it's red rum. Well, yeah. The, like, the oh. whole premise of that, or like that whole like conversation bit, is that women are or people are more likely to purchase makeup if it's named after food or sex. And so they kind of have this like interchange of what they like what their lipstick is and someone said well someone is like they're putting on red rum which is obviously and and she's saying it while speaking into a mirror so it's obviously uh the i mean we i took that as the kubrick's uh from the shining red rum murder spelled backwards yeah in the well that, that's obviously the reference um and that that's where i kind of like groaned when i saw when i heard that i was like oh okay like you're gonna. This is where we're going. You know, not not the not the not the content so much, but as the the parallel that it was just making, it was so obvious. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that that could have been a, toned down a little bit more. But like, I don't, I didn't care too much. I thought but... it was all right, but um, and it also goes to where when when um, Jesse comes out, she's in the bathroom with them, and um, they say, oh, what. I don't know what's your lipstick, and she and she says I don't know, and they say well you're gonna be you'd be like a dessert because you're sweet, and but what and I want to just make a comment about the those I guess the supermodels. Yeah, um, I was gonna ask you what you felt about them. I mean, I I didn't really take them as I mean I didn't really look into it as uh like you were saying that you weren't sure if if they were just not good or if they were playing their parts well, really no, well. I, I don't think it's like I don't I think it's I think it's the latter cuz if you're in a Nicholas Winding Refn film, it's not that's not like an oversight that he would make. Like you act the way he tells you to act cuz he knows what he's doing. So this was on purpose. Like I believe these empty portrayals were for the reasons I stated before. I mean, I never I never took them as like being empty from the I mean, just more through their actions, but not not through like I don't know. I didn't think they were like bad or anything. I I never re- I didn't really look too deep into their characters. It was more of what they said, and like their inflection about what how they said it was that. Well, exactly. Made that, yeah, their inflection but, is I don't so know. empty. Yeah. So I it, mean, it's so like deflated and so, uh, it's it has like no energy to it. And I that that that's why I just for because it struck me as off. I'm like, well, why are they talking like this? It's really weird. It's like it, it doesn't feel like. Natural isn't the right word or organic, but it, it feels like um, it that, that there's something kind of un, like deeper to that what they're actually trying to say than like what they're the, the words aren't as important as the way they're saying it as to convey what they're actually feeling. That's what I felt. Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, I didn't really pick up on anything because I was. Throughout this movie, I just kept constantly thinking and trying to pick up on things, and I was trying to take everything in, but I didn't, I mean, I did. I don't think I looked into things as in-depthly as you may have picked up. Um, I might just be completely overthinking it, too. No, I don't think you're but... over, I think you're onto something, it's just I am not on that level. Also, like I said, towards the end of the film, like, I started getting really, just, not, not disinterested, but I started kind of getting bored, I was like, alright... Well, well, like, be, is... honestly, in in my opinion, because it's kind of tough. This uh, this is kind of like uh, I would say you do your first drug ever and you do LSD. It's like it's so much to take in. Like I feel because you've only you said yourself you only saw Bronson beforehand, 
And so you're not used to, like, this super saturated imagery that, in my opinion, Refn is, like, most acclaimed for. In my opinion, that's why I really like him. Uh, and I feel like there was so much to take in that it was kind of like sensory overload for maybe somebody who wasn't used to it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I guess, mean, it was it was a lot. <laughs> it was well, a lot. Even for me, it was a lot to take in. But I kind of knew... I, I'm more used to it because I, I knew what I was getting into. So yeah, but I uh, I mean yeah, it was a lot. But I I'm trying to think if there's anything like I like I said this beginning I I liked because it it was intriguing me. Well, I, I like how it sets up the fact that Ellie Fanning is this very innocent character. It it, it shows that and it tells us a lot about her. Obviously, she does I mean, a, she, she does a great job of like kind of portraying that and like because she she is like this kind of very quiet. I it, to me it was very mouse like if that makes sense it's very quiet it's you kind of have to strain to hear well, I mean, sometimes I mean because she's a child she's supposed to be sixteen yeah well I'm saying like she did a great job she's very pale in complexion and the one thing I did notice about her that I think one of the reasons that she was I feel like that she was cast because of her eyes because her eyes are very blue and it was one of the things that I immediately gravitated towards and um. But the, throughout the whole movie, one of my issues with Ellie Fan, what's her last name? Ellie Fanning. Fanning. I just, I when they kept saying, "Oh, she has something," I, I as as an actress, I never really was picking up on that. But I guess the whole point of the movie is like she's innocent and she's well, naturally beauty, I, and that's like yeah, what well, she has. Yeah, that's it's what not I, it's not I and, got and like that. and that one that one bit where I. I, I had to go to the bathroom at one point, and I walked down, I walked back in, but I, I think I came at, like, the right point when I came back in, where um, the, 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 the photographer, the first guy that takes her, like, first portraits, he's meeting, like, the fashion designer, and it's, like, it, it's a big discussion on uh, what, like, uh, Gigi, she's, like, all, like Brian mentioned earlier, she's all... She has so much plastic surgery. She's pretty much doesn't even resemble who she used to be. And then the fashion designer says that um, Jesse is naturally be- beautiful, and there's nothing wrong with there. She there's nothing. She hasn't tampered with her looks or anything. So that's why she is like beautiful, and like beauty's the only thing. And and the the first photographer who took her pictures was saying, no, it's about inner beauty, and. I guess that's what Ellie Fanning has is that inner beauty. Well, no, well, she has both, but I, I took it more as that she's natural, and I, I didn't think that it was like she's so different because it's her inner beauty. It's because she's she has this natural beauty to her that isn't fake that you can't just replicate. Uh, people look at her and they say she's got it she's got something and i totally believe that because when you even like the way they portray everybody else it's like they all look just so fake they're all covered in makeup and like these very uh complex designs and then there's ellie fanning who's like the pale girl with the bright blue eyes and the the blonde hair and the clean blonde hair who's wearing her little dress and she's mousy and afraid but it's like through that innocence that like her beauty comes out because she's like so unaware of the situation um and that's what i appreciate because i feel like that was conveyed really well like i was getting that sense that she really isn't like these other girls and i feel like that was like a fine line to balance in this film 
whether or not she actually could pull it off that she was different. And I totally got that. I feel because like we get more exposure to her as well because she's the main character of the story. But um, I guess because we get more human moments with uh, Jessie's character in the fact that like we see her uh, even... Uh, we start with her in the film. She's the first person. She's getting her, you know, her, uh, I guess, like, glamour shots or whatever for her interviews. And then we see her talk to the the agent, says, I have no family. I need, like, just sign your parent release form even though you have no family. Um, there's You have no connections. And then she hangs out with that guy who took her pictures um, in the beginning of the film. And she's she she's saying more human moments saying how like i i saw the moon and i always thought that was an eye looking at me more more imagery of just people watching you uh i guess not saying she's vain but the whole the whole idea that you always need to be watched and that your beauty always needs to be seen i got that through the moon um also just like just kind of human moments with her and the guy who was I I he his name was Dean, but the the actor Carl Glusman I believe his name is he I saw him in a Gaspar No I believe his name is the guy who directed Enter the Void, he was in Carl Glusman was in another film that he just made called Love, and uh, that that's a different that's a different discussion for a different day. I haven't heard of it or seen it so it's 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 uh the best way I can equate love that movie is i guess lars von trier's nymphomaniac but even more uh profane oh god <laughs> you know you know what the movie love is it's it ex- the whole idea is that it explores uh, a relationship through purely sexual perspectives and that they show uh unsimulated sex and everything like that uh it's a really weird movie that I would never recommend to really yeah, I'm anybody. Yeah, pass on that one. Yeah, I just I don't know. You know, you know the kind of movie. I watch literally any movies. Nothing I saw is really bits off of limits. Nymphomaniac, and I was like, "Fuck this!" Like, I don't know why. Like, I don't know. I don't like. I, I don't know. That, those it's, movies are not for me. And that was what I was fully expecting. Um, Neon Demon to be was just kind of this like re- not so much profane, just like just wholly depressing film about a young woman being like, succumbing to this, I guess, <clears throat> underworld, or this, this... I think, I think it's more of a commentary than anything. Uh, yeah, I agree than with Than an you. actual, like, exploration. Or, like, a narrative film. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there are aspects of this film that are outstanding. I mean, there are... Everything from the music to the, to the set design is outstanding. Uh... Everything that I've expected with wet reference films and more have come to like fruition with this film, in that the set designs are outstanding. It's it's it, this is also another. I would compare the set design as the complexity and the, I guess just grand scale of it all and beauty, on on par with Kubrick. Um, yeah, I mean, I was. I, I thoroughly enjoyed his framing and his camera work, but the one segment that I was completely enraptured by was um, Jesse's first like her first her like, first, official her runway, first, like official yeah runway modeling uh, 
with a like yeah where she she closes the show yeah and and that was just such a like a visual i it was just so much and it also the it reminded me that the first scene when she like right after she like that bathroom scene we mentioned earlier they go into a like a show or something yeah, there's like flashing lights was. where I'm like, if you have epilepsy, don't fucking see this movie because my eyes were hurting. Yeah. Just, but it was and it was, there's, there's it was like very a floating girl. Or it something. was very interesting. I mean, I thought it was it was neat, but I had no idea what the hell was going on. Plus, my eyes were seriously hurting because it was just red flashing every like two frames. And yeah, then, that, yeah, I kind of I didn't understand really what was happening. Well, then the that. strobe started going. I'm like, okay, I can kind of understand what the fuck's going on. But going back to um, this scene, this where scene, Ellie because Fanning it reminded me of that. First, yeah. Um, I, I took this as she's now embracing, because before she kind of was just like the very. She was like along for the ride. Yeah, innocent girl. Like uh, she beat out uh, Sarah for the runway or for the walk, and she tried consoling her, like being genuine about it. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know if that was Sarah. I think that was just some other girl. No, I took that as Sarah, the girl at the end of the movie, like that. What was a I mean, very okay. tall one? I wasn't sure if that was Sarah. No, that was or not. Sarah. Oh, okay, because they all like, those those models look the same too. Because she like she beats out every single the three of I them. I thought that was just point. a random girl. No, she I I took that that was being Sarah because she because well, the reason I think that is because she looks a lot like uh, um, Barbara from Rooster Teeth. Yeah. So that's like I said. Oh, that that looks like. Uh, Barbara Dunkelman, Barbara Dunkelman from uh, Rooster Teeth. So that's what I. Uh, that's I just. So I mean, I, yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like high cheekbones, right. I just, blonde yeah. hair, very like. And so, um, and so, um, but it also. I mean, it makes sense because, um, Jesse essentially beats out every like those those three women in some point. So with Sarah, it's beating her in the runway, the runway walk, um. Gigi is getting the fashion designers. Um, well, a she all she closes the show, and she kind of has the fashion designer say that essentially Jesse's more beautiful than her, and then she um, turns and denies Ruby. Is that her name? Yeah, I guess she, she de- de- I guess she, she denies Ruby like for her like sexual advances or whatever. Yeah. So But I mean I want to get back before we get off topic. I want to go back to that scene that we just mentioned where she's like in her and during her first like closing of the runway show. Oh no, I want to talk I want to get oh, back okay. to that. Oh, I thought as well. we were going to divert from No, that. I was just saying that I don't remember what how we got onto that, but I know that this is where she um she defeats or she trumps over these three, I guess villains model whatever you want to label them oh, as but that um, actually that it just it just kind of made sense because the whole time there's like a triangle there's like a trifecta and i never really understood what that triangle meant could that could that represent those three girls well i get well it, yeah that would make sense because it's like the trifecta and then there's the center so it's they could be each set of that triangle and then she's the centerpiece yeah but like but even like the whole she's like in this triangle and she there's like mirrors and she starts kissing her own reflection and i took that as she's this is where she starts embracing uh, yeah embracing so i think we had the same culture. pretty much same ideas on the scene and that's what i and i hope like i mean that's kind of what i like about this film is that you can see something like that 
and it, you don't necessarily it doesn't say what it's trying to say uh, directly. It, it conveys it visually. It. But I kind of find that like really intriguing about this film is that I I feel like that's what he was trying to say, and we got it, and it wasn't like so confusing. Like like oh well that's through this sense through these uh sensory overload we can get something from this. But here's the thing. I mean we're also we we do this like we've mentioned this in other podcasts like we like our last episode with across the universe we were we could pick up on what Tamor was trying to tell through her really artistic and 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 strange choices because we well, need to have an eye for it I know but like we we are used to analyzing films on that level and we could we could and we watch uh, someone like. Stanley Kubrick, or you watch more, um, I, I don't want to say impressionist f- auteurs or filmmakers, but, like, we, we have an, an, an eye for, like, kind of, like, these, these images, like, we, so we could pick up, but I think that the casual moviegoer might not necessarily I'm going to say, I'm gonna say this right now, I would never recommend this movie to a casual moviegoer, or even people who aren't necessarily even aware of who Nicholas Winding Refn is, or wouldn't really be susceptible to this kind of, uh, I guess, direction, because in my opinion, you really need to be open to interpretation to watch a film like this, and if you're not really willing to go there, then don't even bother with it. Uh, but we'll... I, that that's just kind of a I'm gonna save that explanation more for the ending, I guess when we get to like the recommendations, but I, I'm just gonna say that right now. This movie is definitely not for the casual. It's not for goer. everyone. It, it's definitely not for everybody. Even even I when I went into this film, I was a little I knew you wouldn't uh I knew you'd be okay with it. But even knowing that like you, you, we have eyes for this kind of thing. Even I was a little nervous, saying like I wasn't sure, like if you would not even not like understand what was happening, but more. I don't, and I don't want to say appreciate because I know you appreciate film as much as I do. So I, I'm just afraid that maybe you wouldn't be as used to it as I was. So maybe you wouldn't like it as much. That's what I was more afraid of. Yeah, I mean, but I mean that obviously we're we're both fine. You, yeah, we're fine. Here we are talking about it. So yeah, and I don't know. I mean, yeah, this film's definitely not for everyone. But getting back on track, that that I mean, I did thoroughly enjoy that scene with the different shades of it was. I guess it's like, does he? Ma- I know you mentioned red. Does he use the blue a lot, like the neon uh, he, blue? Because I he noticed, used it a lot in in this. Well, what he I, uses what I noticed, the two. Well, neon. Any neon kind of color is in his like uh, canvas. Well, it was very like and, and, Tron-like. Well, it very reminded. It well, reminded yeah, me of well, Tron. Be, that's just his aesthetic because in Only God Forgives there was a lot of red, or a lot of red, uh, like pink, um, and purple neon, just like it was in this film. Uh, in Bronson, it was a lot of red, red in the sense red and orange palette. Uh, Valhalla Rising was a lot of red. Red, in my opinion, in the what I can deduce from watching these movies, red is a color of, I guess, power and emotion in a Nicholas Winding Refn film. It's, I, it is the most prevalent shade that he uses. I would say in all of his films. I, I don't know with, with the exception of Drive. Uh, that's more of an, more of an organic color palette. Because with Drive, it, that's his most straightforward and I think I would say most critically successful film. Because it deviates the most from his 
canon in the fact that it's really straightforward, but very good nonetheless. Um, but I, yeah, but going back, you were asking Red, right? What's that? You were asking about Red, right? Is that like... Um, oh, I was just saying, color? does he, um, I guess, use... Like, does he does he feature these blues and reds yes. heavily? Yes, he does. Um, because he was especially red. He was switching between the two, uh, predominantly through mostly the blue, but red was signifying. I feel like the red was signifying, like the um. Like the fashion where like there's uh where Gigi and Sarah and Ruby kind of lie, and blue is this mostly where Jesse resides. But in this scene. When she starts, when Brian mentioned earlier, she's in that triangle, that mirrored tri- triangle trifecta. She's kissing her own re- reflection, and that's and it's all red. It's completely red, and she starts like smiling, kind of, uh, just kind of like a, um, I took it as like a model, and that's when I took that she was fully embracing it, and and this is when I really had to go to the bathroom, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna hold it for this bit because this seems really visually and stylistically interesting. So I did. I wa- I I sat through this whole bit and it was awesome. I'm not going to lie. And and then we get to the next scene. This is where we mentioned the um they go to the the dinner and this is where they talk about inner beauty and 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 like uh Gigi is just a, pretty much a it's plastic totally fake. Yeah. And yeah, that's when I walked out, then walked back in as quick as um, possible. And I, I, I mean, we were. I think we're gonna. We're probably gonna go out of order with the story and plot, just because we've only seen it the one time, and we just got out of the theater. But I remember with uh, Ruby's character, we find out that she, uh, she's like we, we know she's the makeup artist for the, for the, uh, the models. But we also find out that she is a. Uh, I, I, I guess she does the. It's more the makeup. Yeah, yeah, mortician. I couldn't think of the name for uh, dead people, and that's also another interesting. I, it, that's another very, uh, not subtle, uh, parallel that uh, Refn is trying to draw in that this the she that Ruby does the makeup for dead people, and what's that to say that these I guess that this lifestyle isn't you know cultivating the dead either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that was that was just another thing. I was like, oh well, that's not as uh i guess well hidden it's it's not trying to be i don't think yeah, either but there's... that was just, and, but that also comes in the play for a very um interesting not, i even interesting isn't the right word to say cuz that's like bizarre I, guess, I mean we'll get to that yeah, bizarre. we'll get to that in a minute because there's one person that we haven't mentioned at all that's Keanu Reeves he's in this movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. why <laughs> yeah like i don't I don't know the whole point of like his character. Keanu Reeves is the um, the manager of the hotel or the, like the motel I guess, that Ellie Fanning is staying. I guess at. he kind of facilitates these like young women to stay and be exposed. Yeah, to the system, and I guess make sure that like they stay he's there. the supplier. I guess you could was, say. Yeah. Was. Uh, so yeah, he yeah he he I guess yeah I guess he's like the supplier of these young women. Um, he's a real piece of shit. Do you know uh, who had, uh, just a side note, do you know who had a camp? Yeah. Skinny Pete? Yeah. yeah, that was Skinny Pete from Breaking Bad. He's, uh, he's, uh, Keanu Reeves' like, I guess, little stooge, um, who they work together at the, the motel. Um, he's not even a character. I just thought that was interesting. 
Oh, yeah. Like, he doesn't like, even have, can... like, a clear close-up or anything. I just noticed it because... No, well, I, I knew that was him. Um, but it's weird because what happens is... I guess the whole interaction with Keanu Reeves' character is that there's a lion... Or, no, a cougar got into Ellie Fanning's uh, bedroom. Uh, they have to get it out. Ellie Fanning's... I get the, the first boy that took her pictures has to pay for it. And this is where he's like a where we find out that Keanu Reeves is saying like, oh well, you know, you want some girl? We got a a 13 year old runaway in like 214. She's a real Lolita, and I'm like, damn, that's really fucked up. <laughs> that you're like saying there's like a really hot 13 year old girl who's a runaway from home. And then I guess the other interaction with I I think the only other interaction we get of Keanu Reeves is that I I believe he tries to break into. Ellie Fanning's room. Well, we get a weird dream sequence when... Oh, right. He, like... Ellie Fanning or Jesse is dreaming that he just walks into her room because he has the key and then, like, makes her deep-throat a knife, which is odd. And And then she wakes up, finds out someone's actually trying to get into her room... And then she locks the door, and then they kind of move to the next room. Which is, the thir- I assumed it was the 13-year-old. Yeah, I'm assuming it's the 13-year-old girl, and it's Keanu Reeves either raping, murdering, or both to the girl. Uh, and then that's when we get to the scene where Ellie Fanning calls um, Lena Malone's character saying, I need to get out of here. Uh, can I come stay with you? And she comes. Yeah, and then we get these sexual advances that Jesse pretty much literally throws her off and says no and then we get to this bizarre scene bizarre isn't even the right word to say like, like there are so many words to describe this scene the, the moment that like she threw her off and then she's like doing the makeup of this blonde woman i i mentioned earlier that i looked up on the parents like the guy like sex and profanity that I knew that, like, the moment that I, that this, all these things happened, like, here it is, and I'm like, what the hell is gonna happen, and then she locks herself, Ruby locks herself in the room, she takes the cloth off, this, this is, like, a fresh corpse, she starts kissing it, like, caressing it, spinning in its mouth, and, and like, she then gets, she mounts it, and gets herself off, and all the while, it's, it's a really uncomfortable scene, well, she's fantasizing about, well, yeah, it, um, as Jesse, she's, and it's just very yeah. odd, it, and it's it's so like perverse. Like I just felt like disturbed. While I guess it's it. like it's I don't know. I guess it's the hit home that Ruby just desires. It it I feel like in every way, like these three women desire Jesse in some way. Whereas I guess the two the the two models themselves envy her beauty and they want her beauty and ruby wants her because of her beauty because of her beauty and her like sexuality and yeah and um also uh going off this whole scene i we forgot to mention uh the other scene way in the beginning uh when they drank jesse's blood oh yeah that like, was that fucking was an, odd too. How did I? Well, how did we forget that? <laughs> yeah, because um, I remember, we mentioned okay, guys, the scene. So, yeah, guys, remember that scene when we talked about how Ellie Fanning Jesse beat? Uh, I guess you said Sarah. I think that's for, her name. For to get onto the main show. Well, I can't believe we forgot this. Uh, Sarah, the character, goes downstairs into the bathroom, breaks, shatters the mirror, 
And then Ellie Fanning comes down and says, you did so good, I promise. And then she said, oh, I forget what she said after that. She, like, like makes what, her... How, she makes her jump. Uh, Jesse... She cuts her hand. Ellie Fanning cuts her hand, and then, um, Sarah... Whatever starts drinking. She, well, her blood. she says, "Oh, give me your hand." She takes and she starts like licking her her blood. Well, I got that. Well, that's I knew when that happened. I was like, "Oh, well." So, the 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 older model is trying to drink. Yeah, the, she's the trying to and the beauty from her. She wants her essence. Yeah, that's I no I I understood that too. Like she was trying to. It's like um, there's that joke that um, oh, what's his that uh Sir Patrick. Oh, Patrick Stewart, like drink, like Stephen Colbert says, "Oh, you drink the blood of virgins to stay young." It, I took that here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was so that so it's like this scene, and then the the lesbian necrophiliac scene was just I, that just reminded me of it. Um, but it, this is a very this is okay. This is another reason why there were only four people, including the two of us, in the theater. <laughs> it seems like this, where. <laughs> It's it's it, it just it, it accentuates and hits the point home so hard that you it's just like it's really uncomfortable, uh, and I appreciate that. But at the same time, I'm like disturbed. Yeah. You know? Well, now we're getting into the later half of the movie. Yeah. This is because this now is, we get this to act three. This like well, I was gonna say this really bizarre bit, and then the end, but the end is just as bizarre. Um, so. Okay, uh, Ellie Fanning goes out, and she's on, she's in, um, like, it's still the house where Ruby, where they stayed, and she's, like, standing on this empty pool's, um, diving board, and her and Ruby have some talk about something, and, well, well no, they it, no it, about, it's important, well, yeah, I, I, I kind of said that as that it's not important, but well, it actually, well, it's the weird because, is important. because Jesse says, I'm dangerous, uh, how is she dangerous? Like, I, I get that there's something about her. Is she dangerous because she's natural? That she yeah, is I, I, naturally I took beautiful it as... and that she's, that she's not like them? Yeah, I took it that she's dangerous because... Well, see, ever since, since the beginning of the film, I always had this inkling that, that, um, Jessie... She, she was, uh... She was really... Under, she was she was really overplaying how vulnerable she was to kind of make let people get off guard. I always saw her as just as conniving as the models, but she just was really like I don't think tactile. I don't even think I'm using that word correctly, but she's very strategic about it, if that makes sense. And and so this scene, I feel like kind of. Re- are you are you like inferring that she like knows how you're supposed to play the game, and because of that, she's dangerous? Like she was playing the game the whole time. Yeah, what you're trying to say. Yeah, and so like when she says, "I'm dangerous because everyone wants to be like me. I have something that you won't possess and will never possess, but I have it." And then everyone wants. She, I think she says, "Everyone wants to be like me." Yeah. And this is when she walks off, goes in the house, and then Gigi is there. Looking at her and Sarah, like they punt, they they she punches her. They attack her. Yeah, they they attack her, and at this point, I'm like, oh, they're gonna like fuck her up. I was like, oh my god, they're gonna like cut off her face or something, and like I thought they're gonna do something like uh, in the movie Seven, where for the deadly sin of uh, of I think Vanity is one of them, or it's it's uh, a pride. It's pride. Um, Yeah, for pride. 
uh, he, like cut he, cuts, he cuts up a model's face and gives her a phone to call for help or take take pills. But the thing is, I thought, well, I, I didn't think they were going to give her, like, an ultimatum like that, but I thought they were going to, like, really fuck her up. I thought, I thought they were, I thought, I mean, I think they ended up doing what I ultimately thought they were going to do. I knew they were going to kill her, but I was like, what are they going to do? Are they going to, like, drink her blood? Are they going to, like, keep doing that? Are they going to, like, cu- like, th- yeah, like, my first instinct was, like, cut her face off and, like, do something really fucked up like that, or, uh, I do something, like, with her beauty to, like, try and, like, transcend it into them. Uh, and, I mean, I'm not wrong, but, uh, well, it ends so, up, whereas, well, I mean, they end up, like, it's, like, this big chase thing. Well, well it's very uh, interesting, and in that I thought this was gonna be a dream sequence, is because, well, okay, at this point, it's definitely a commentary, and it's not, this is where, like, the interpretation comes yeah, in. Yeah, we, we've transcended, like, we, we are in the, uh... We, tra- we, we have transcended from a normal narrative. Like, no, we are now, we are now in the, uh... Oh, what's that thing from Interstellar? The, uh... Like, the that the big book... What? Isn't it like a Tetrad or something like that? Yeah, we're, no, yeah, we're now in the Tesseract. Tesseract, now, that's it. That's we're it. now Star Child. We're now in this, like, different dimension we are of in, just understanding. We are in the void. <laughs> yeah, honestly. that We are now, we have, yeah, we have completely left real world behind and now now we're in like the the visual commentary section of whatever nicholas winning reffin is trying to say and where uh and, th- and this is kind of where the movie starts to lose me uh after after immediately after uh ellie fanning is killed but leading up to that she's running around the house which i i thought it was like a set uh it doesn't look like a house anymore. Well, that's, well, it looks like a labyrinth. It looks like a maze. Well, that's the thing. Well, in the what, she's running through the cat, the house, and then she goes into a red area, and it's a backstage, and then she gets back in the house, and she ends up in the pool area again. And this is where, I guess that that uh that uh triangle is once completed because uh, they all. I guess that I, I think that's what that and from that segment that we really enjoyed that triangle is what like it's the th- the three points are the three different fashion people and then she's the center because they line up in that area yeah and then they all descend upon her and they push her into the pool and um i i, I she doesn't die immediately but she's like her legs are all twi- her limbs are all twisted yeah, like her body's all mangled like she's bleeding you know she's gonna die you know she's 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 gonna buy the farm pretty yeah. soon. Well, and then they uh, then they descend on her into the pool, and and then it cuts and then it to, cuts to them speeding down the highway. Oh no 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 it, no it's it, there it's 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 Jenna Malone sitting in a bathtub of I'm assuming of uh, Ellie Fanning's blood, and then we see the other two models just showering together, pretty much in bathing blood. themselves in in her blood, and and we also find out like they ate her. Well, that's uh, at the very end, but we get this yeah. really weird fucking scenes of Ruby like watering her plants, and then she puts it in the pool. I assumed like wash the blood away, and then she's the the, oh, yeah, the she's weirdest, like the weirdest. Grave. Well, she's like in the, she's in a field with a hole, like just laying in it in like a in a garden. But the weirdest fucking bit was when the oh, moon yeah. was out, and it's like and the moon beams are shining through the light, and she's naked. 
and she lays on, she gets down, it's a kind of a wide angle, she lays down, turns around, and opens her legs, and then... It looks like she's giving birth. Yeah, and then fucking blood is literally, like, flooding out. I mean, you don't see anything, because, like, that portion is is in the shadows, um, just the way that it's think, lit, but blood yeah. is, like, literally, it's like the floodgates broke, and the blood is flowing. And she, and she looks like she is, I guess, getting, like, pleasure from it she doesn't look in pain well i looked over and i was like what the fuck are we watching yeah that's, that's why, why i wish those two I guys I... weren't there because i wish we could have had free range on commentary because i, 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 like, I audibly was like what the fuck like this is even i was yeah. like what am i watching i said it like three t- i maybe said it a few times before then but i think we both said it at the exact same time and that was the point where we were like what the hell and then um so that happens, and then this and this is, is when... where I thought that, and like I think it's important to note, like this is kind of why the ending kind of lost me because I thought it was gonna end at like three separate points. I thought it was gonna end here. I thought it was gonna end, like I thought it was gonna end when they were bathing in the blood, and then I thought it was gonna end when she washed away the blood, like Jenna Malone washed away the blood in the pool. And then I thought it was going to end at this point, when the blood, or I, I'm assuming that's blood, like, come out of her legs, but then it just keeps going. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, okay, so it goes on, uh, it has Sarah and Gigi just speeding down, they go- to another shoot. They go to, um, Jack, I think that's his name, which is- What, the, uh, the photographer? Yeah, Jack. But which, which is, he, uh, Quinn Yeah, from Quinn Dexter. from Dexter. Um- God damn, he, he he got progressively like skinnier as that show went on. But here, he looks like he looks kind of sickly. He looks like he just went through like chemotherapy or something. Like it's like shocking. Yeah. But um, so they're at a shoot. Um, they're getting ready. They're oh, and this is where they drop the line of um, there's 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 three models, including well, there's. There's Sarah, Gigi, and, like, some random girl. And they're talking about, uh, what, like, the random model, what her friend is doing just to stay, like, looking fresh as they get, like, seal baby fat or something. And so, this is when they kind of drop the line that, like, the the model asked Sarah, oh, has anyone stolen, like, a part from you? And she said, yes. Well, what did you do? And she said, I ate her. And she didn't believe her. Now, when she said that, I took that as she, like, drank her blood when uh, she first cut her hand. But then... Um, well, I took that as literally she ate her after after that whole... Well, I took that as she just, just like, drank her blood. I didn't even connect those dots. And then... Um, as uh, So then, I guess... Jack, the photographer, fires that random person and has Sarah well, she Because she sees the essence of... Of, like... Of, I'm assuming that whatever it was uh, that was in Jesse that Sarah drank was passed down to her, and the guy, whatever it was, saw that and said, "Well, whatever you got, she had." So yeah, come, I want, I want you. you now. And so they they doll her up, and they're like gonna take pictures, and Gigi starts getting sick, and she starts like gagging, and th- she's like clutching her stomach, and. She walks off. She goes in the bathroom. She takes all the shit off, like all the, <clears throat> like the the wardrobe, and she's just gagging. And then at some point, Sarah goes to check on her, and 
Jesus says, I need to get her out of... Well, she, she first she sits down and she throws up an eye, like literally an eyeball. And she says, I need to get her out of me. And she takes a pair of scissors and just... What what do the samurais do when they kill themselves? Oh, it's it's uh, seppuku. Yeah, she like I believe that's how you say it. Yeah, she does that except she like she stabs herself right under her navel and pulls up and then she dies, and then uh, Sarah's looking at the body. She's kind of like audibly like in shock, but she gets down. No, I, she, I don't think she's in shock. I think the whole point is she just kind of looks and is like unfazed and is like, oh, well, that just happened. I mean, it's not... She's not supposed to act shocked Well, because... I mean, I, I just had it, like, her mouth was a little bit of a gape, and she was just kind of... No, I, th- I feel like because she's, like, she sees the essence again. Yeah. And so she picks up the eye and eats it. And then gets up and walks away. And then I believe the film ends at this point, right? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think And I think that's the film. I think that's it. And the credits start rolling. Which is showing that, uh, I mean, it's Jesse's essence is moving on. Uh, like, through this other girl now. And that's how it ends. Yeah. And then we get, like, some cinematic shots of something. L.A. or whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's the movie. And, god damn, that was a... That, 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 well, that whole last 20 minutes was... I'm glad, honestly, I'm glad I saw it because it was different. I don't think I've ever seen... I can equivalent. The only thing that I can say that that is on par with is the end of Space Odyssey. Well, I mean, it's 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 similar story uh, types, like archetypes. Not in the sense that it's like characters, but it's the way that they tell the story is the same. It's it's all it's all through imagery and symbolism and what you're perceiving rather than what somebody's trying to say. It's all indirect means of telling a story. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It was. Should we just get the right the recommendations or anything? Because I don't really have anything else to say. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've said everything there is to say. Like at least for a for, as for a first impression goes. Yeah. So I guess we'll go into recommendations and closing thoughts. Um, since you brought it up, I'll go first. So I don't. I at the end of the day, I don't really know what to say about this this fucking movie. Um. It's, it's it's one of those things that I think, um, before we start talking, I I feel like people should see this movie because there's a lot of because it's it's a good thing to distinguish that this is more of a commentary than like a traditional narrative, and I think knowing that now kind of gives us new appreciation for the film, in my opinion. Um. Again, on I, I always go with visual style. I think the style is something that can be praised. I think the framing is excellent. I think the the color palettes are great. I really did enjoy those really kind of surreal moments. Um, and but it definitely, with that being said, it's definitely not like if you haven't seen much of Nicholas Wending Refn's films that this is definitely not something to start your journey with him um because this would this would i think turn anyone off if let's say they're trying to get into him i think if they first watch this unless they have a really open mind and they've been exposed to cinema that is like impressionistic i i I don't think that's the right word but that's the only thing that i can really think to like 
characterize this as. I feel like if they're not used to things like that, or they don't really have an open mind, especially when it comes to film, that this would really turn them off. And that would be just unfortunate, because, I mean, I've I've only seen two of his, his um, Reffin's, like, canon or his films, but I do want to explore more. But, with that being said, um, I'm going to, I, I don't think that, I, I, I kind of want to just go smack down in the middle with my recommendation. I'm going to give this a two and a half out of five stars, and, but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie, it's just, and it's not bad, it's just different, and there were, and there were those moments where I was really interested, but there also were those moments where I was really uninterested, and it's, and I think it's more of this discussion that makes me want to give it a higher rating, like a three star, but I'm going to stick with my guns here and give it a, um, a two and a half out of five stars. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, I guess that's my turn now. Uh, so for, okay, so I'm going to like preface this. So on my computer screen, I have a, uh, a grid of. Uh, nine directors that I hold up on like the top podium of like guys that I idolize, and that's Steve McQueen, the UK director, Paul Thomas Anderson, Lars von Trier, Martin Scorsese, Stanley Kubrick, Quentin Tarantino, Kira Kurosawa, Sergio Leone, and Nicholas Winding Refn. Um, I there are so many other directors that I would put on this podium, but just the picture only limits me to nine, so that's why I only have nine. But there's a reason Nicholas Winding Refn made the cut that I would see on my desktop every single day is because this guy is a he is uh, I would I I would definitely classify him as a cinematic genius. Uh, he is brilliant in every sense of the word in film, uh, and and in this like in the fact that he knows his craft and he can do it well. And the Neon Demon is one hell of a movie. Uh, even, even just in the sense of a visual standpoint, uh, a cinematic standpoint, um, a, uh, a textual, a, uh, what is it, an aesthetic standpoint, I think it's a great movie, um, but that being said, uh, I, I said this earlier, I would never recommend this film to anybody who isn't necessarily ready for this, um, and Mike, Mike had it good. Like, if you ever wanted to get into Nicholas Winding Refn, this is definitely not the place to start, um, because I feel like it's just sensory overload, and there's there's too much going on and too much to understand if you aren't ready for it yet. Um, I still, I still, I I, I came out of this movie. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, and I don't know if I'll necessarily, it's not, maybe not, might not be a movie I'll buy in the future, but it's definitely something that I'm going to come back to and approach once again. And I, because of that rationale, I don't really want to give this a rating per se, uh, because I think it is a fantastic film, but it's like the dilemma of what I think about it versus like my recommendation, because I wouldn't recommend this movie. Uh, so I guess, like, in that sense, I, I would give this film a 4 out of 5 in me. It's kind of like what I did with Across the Universe. Uh, there's two different categories. So 4 out of 5 for me personally, 
but for anybody else, I would I might give this uh, maybe a two. Yeah, it's five. like I I agree with you. Like, there's this dilemma that it's like it is a good movie, but it's not at the same time. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? It's 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 we have the acquired taste. Yeah, it's I don't know. Like, cause like, I'm I'm even I'm I'm conflicted about even giving it a two and a half star, but I feel like it's fair but i like i want to give it higher but again i think it's because now that i'm understanding it more through this discussion because right when i left i had so many questions and this discussion really helped me better understand the film and i'm hoping that viewers that have seen the movie and have like oh like they're just looking up uh the neon demon and they see this review and then they listen to it you listen to it, and then you have a better appreciation. I hope that helps you change, because now I have a better appreciation for this film. But so, but I'm still conflicted about this two and a half. I mean, I'm gonna stick with the two and a half out of five, because I think it's dead center. It's 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 a pretty it's a pretty neutral. Um, yeah, you're just trying to stay neutral. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty. It's not. It's like it's not, it's saying it's a, it's not good. It's like you guys know that we liked it. Yeah, it's. So I, yeah, it's, it's really I'm not. Important. I'm not saying it's it's one or the other. It's just I'm staying neutral. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's really all I have to say about it. I'm actually kind of surprised that we had an hour conversation about this movie because I, as I was watching it, I was kind of like, "Well, what are we going to talk about?" And I feel like we had a pretty good discussion. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy that we had an hour conversation yeah, about this. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it's, it's definitely something worth talking about. But with that, we end this episode of uh, another iteration of first impressions. Um, yeah, I hopefully we can do another one soon. Um, I know I I think I want to do one for Suicide Squad. Oh, definitely. I'm definitely gonna see that movie. Yeah, whenever I I thought that was coming out in July, but I I mean guess I don't not. know. Oh, actually, it's probably. Let's see. Let me just look it up really quick. Uh, but and I'm trying. And honestly, uh, as I'm looking up Suicide Squad, um, there might be more. Like, there might be like other uh, versions, like what we did with this and that. It's just a movie that I heard came out, and I wanted to see it, um, and so now here we are. Like I, we planned this yesterday, and I I, I literally found it. out about this movie yesterday. Um, but yeah, so I mean, and so they're always. I kind of want to. I want to do a first impression of the lobster. Oh well, um, we gotta see it first. That's the thing. No, oh, I know that. <laughs> I mean, I, I gotta find if we can even get a theater to see it in. Um, but that that's another yeah, thing. That's, uh, well, going back to that, going back to Suicide Squad that comes out August fifth. Oh, okay, whatever. Well, we'll get to that when it comes, but until then, thank you for uh, listening to the show. Um, as always, just I, just the gratitude I have towards our listeners is immense, and I thank you, each and every one of you. And Yeah, um, and, yeah I wanted to say thank you, too. Um, I, I realize that like even when we do films like The Neon Demon, it's not films that everybody would typically see, um, and I hope that listening to this if you hadn't seen it already that maybe you would give it a shot or if you've seen it already i hope like mike said earlier that we together that we've all kind of come to this better understanding of what we just saw and i hope even and i hope people are more um i guess open to the idea of seeing films like these because i think i mean that's kind of the beauty of film because we watch films like this and we talk about it for an hour and like this is an, an extremely unorthodox kind of experience that we just had that we just watched i mean so that's kind of like the beauty of it all and i I hope that you guys i hope that like i hope you guys listen and i hope that we turn you guys on to something yeah 
Well, that's the mission. But anyway, wrapping this up, thank you again for listening to this episode, and we will see you um, next week where we get back to uh, our regular scheduled show. Alright, so thank you once again. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur All Tours. If you like what you've heard, want to leave a review, or even make a possible suggestion for Brian and I to discuss, you can follow us on Instagram at the Amateur All Tours, on Facebook at Amateur All Tours Podcast, or even send us an email at the Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, the Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. That is one word. Cover design was composed by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at her own website, Digital Adventures. Opening and closing theme was performed by the CCH Jazz Ensemble, which was found using a Creative Commons search. Once again, we would like to personally thank you for supporting the show. Stay tuned for future episodes, be sure to let us know what you think, and thank you once again. Thank you.